This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. We're in uh, week number five. I'm almost nostalgic about it. This is the last message in our series, New Future. And tonight, today's title is Built to Last. Built to Last. Uh, one of the most significant moments in the history of the United States was the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And it occurred primarily on August 2nd, 1776. And you might say, well, it's July 4th. Well, July 4th, it was agreed upon, but it was signed on August 2nd, 1776. There were 56 delegates to the Second Continental Congress who represented 13 former colonies which had declared themselves the United States of America. And they endorsed the Declaration, which had been approved a month earlier. And the Declaration proclaimed that the former 13 colonies who were then at war with Great Britain were now a sovereign, independent nation and thus no longer a part of the British Empire. Now... That moment is powerful. The, the, the nation began with imperfect people. And, of course, as we study history and there's all kinds of people doing revisions on history, yes, there were problems with some of the people. They weren't perfect. But the moment that they signed together changed the future. There was something that was set into motion. And, and what they did was so profound that it impacts us today. And uh, what was done in 1776 was built to last. And centuries later, we have the opportunity to make our own lives live freely and worship freely on our own. Prior to that, religion was a part of the state. There was a state-endorsed religion in Great Britain. And now we had the freedom to, to worship God as he has called us to worship him with the freedom. And even with, with all of the changes and the days that have gone by and the I believe that God did something that was started at that time. Eventually, slavery was overturned. Come on, somebody. There was change that began during that time. And, and then uh, women who did not have as many rights in 1776 over time, women have become uh, more involved and more free to be who God has called them to be. And there's a lot of changes that will continue as we move into the future. But I want you to catch my point today, and that is that the original signers set into motion forces that affect us today. And it would mean nothing if it didn't last. In other words, the actions that they had were built to last. Jesus one day looked at his disciples and he said this in John chapter 15. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I love this because it says that Jesus chose us. Aren't you glad he chose you? Some of you wouldn't have chose yourself, right? Turn to the person and say, Jesus chose you. Come on, tell somebody that. He chose you. That's powerful. But he also says, not only did I choose you, I've appointed you. I've given you an assignment. And our assignment is to produce fruit that lasts. Not just temporary fruit, not just a good emotional moment, not just I feel like, like it this month, but I'll change next month, but fruit that actually lasts. 
Built to last means thinking about our areas of influence that God has given us, our faith, our marriage, our family, our children, our community, justice, careers, friendship, investments, all of those things that we influence and, and think long with it. To think what will outlast you. What will go beyond you? I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, we overestimate how much we can accomplish in one year and underestimate how much can be accomplished in 10 years. Consider that future generations beyond you, what will they inherit from you? And once the dream gets in motion in this series that we're in right now, we've been talking about Nehemiah and Ezra and and Haggai, but once their, their dreams got moving and it was becoming real, the walls were rebuilt, the temple was restored, and the leaders were re- returning from exile, now the thinking needs to shift out of temporary crisis mode and to think about what it will take to, to make changes that would last. And that's what every moment, every turnaround story will face. Yes, we've made a change. I decided to change. I've repented of my sin. I'm chasing the future. I'm going for it. But how how is that going to last? You've been burdened. You've prayed bad news out and good news in during this series. You've fixed the altar or the temple of your heart. You've restored the center and learned how to beat the haters. Come on, somebody. But now it's time to make plans to retain what we've gained, to make sure that we don't lose it. Fruit that would last, Jesus said. That's what we're appointed to do. And Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai, the Old Testament figures we've been looking at, have been through an amazing journey to get Jerusalem back up and running. You might have just come through an amazing obstacle course of life just to get to this moment. It's okay to pause and have a praise break. You know what a praise break is? It's stopping and going in the middle. Whatever you're doing, I'm just going to give God some praise. He brought me out of darkness into light. Were you lost and you're now found? Were you addicted and he set you free? Were you broken and he made you whole? Did you survive a pandemic so far? Come on, somebody. We can give him praise because he's done something in our life. I love the old song that pops up into my head once in a while. When I think about the Lord. When I think about the Lord. How he saved me. How he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost. And it goes on to talk about how he raised me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around. He he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout. It it does something inside of me, and I, I can pause and remember, God's brought me out of something. Don't ever lose the power of your testimony. It's powerful. Now the focus for Ezra and Nehemiah is not just to testify about what God has done, but to make sure that Israel transitions from temporary reform into permanent change. To think beyond the moment and to begin to think long. In Nehemiah chapter 9, you can go there with me. In Nehemiah chapter 9, Ezra read the law to all the people. They had finished the wall and now there was this great big celebration And Ezra and Nehemiah are in the same space here, okay? And uh, they began to think how God had done things. And they led them through a process. They confessed their sin of where they had been. And they even recounted the long history of Israel who went through a cycle of 
serving God, falling away from God, going through discipline, returning in repentance. God's mercy is shown, and there they, he went through the long history of it there in Nehemiah chapter 9. But then it says there's a kind of a fresh start, a moment when they look to the future without the baggage of the past, and they think longer. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38, it says, the people respond, and in view of all this, we are making a solemn promise and putting it in writing. On this sealed document are the names of our leaders and Levites and priests. The document was ratified and sealed with the following names. The governor of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, and also Zedekiah. And then it goes on to list a bunch of names. And sometimes you might think, oh, those are just a bunch of names. But I want you to remember the Declaration of Independence. Because what they were doing is they were putting their name on that would serve as a notice for future generations. They were setting things into motion. In other words, it was an intentional decision to commit to the future and take personal responsibility for the future. I want to talk to you today just briefly about how to have a life that is built to last. How to have a life that is built to last. First thing is this. Celebrate and dedicate the new future to the Lord. Celebrate and dedicate the new future to the Lord. If we've been talking about new future, we've been talking about moving into the fall, it's a fall that we've never imagined. We're going in and parents are grappling with school and it's changing dynamics and the economy and, and politics and stuff. You know, this is going to be crazy this year, right? But instead of looking at it with dread, what if we celebrate what's to come? What if our orientation, our perspective was focused with positivity about what was coming next? What if we were ready for it? Look at Nehemiah chapter 12. They all gathered together now to celebrate, just a couple chapters later, verse 27. And this is for the dedication of the new wall of Jerusalem. They're going to dedicate what had just been done. And the Levites brought throughout the land were asked to come to Jerusalem to assist in the ceremonies. They were to take part in the joyous occasion with their songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals and harps and lyres. And the singers were brought together from the region around Jerusalem and from the village is on. And it keeps moving. The whole nation gathers to worship. And this might seem really simple when you see it in the text, but we should really stop and dedicate the thing we're responsible for to the Lord. We should be dedicating our marriage to the Lord in the future. We should be dedicating our family, our friendships, our career, our interests, the things we own, the influence that we have. Instead of just surviving and asking God to just bless us, help me survive, Lord, what if we said, Lord, you're rebuilding the wall, you're giving me a new future, now I'm dedicating it to you. I'm going to celebrate it and dedicate it. In Psalm 127, the psalmist said it this way, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. Wow. There's a responsibility we have to look and say, God, here I am. Here's my future. Here's the things I have responsibility for. I give it to you. You say, but I haven't done anything yet. Nothing's happened in the fall. I'll celebrate after I've completed the race. But listen, we do this all the time in other aspects of life. If you've ever been, how many of you have ever been to a wedding? You go to a wedding and the, the couple comes in, everybody smiles, and uh, this year's weddings have been so different. Uh, 
in the COVID era, you know, just a totally different online weddings, all kinds of different things are going on. But if you go to a wedding, there's a, there's a moment where the, the bride and the groom, they say their vows, they exchange the rings. Uh, I, I've done a, a number of weddings and I, I will turn and I will say, it is my privilege to present to you for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs. right? <laughs> Whatever their names are. And when I say it, everybody, what are they cheering for? The future. They're excited about what's to come. They have not lived one married moment yet. They haven't had their first married fight yet. They haven't had to change their first diaper yet. So what, what are they, they're celebrating the future. They're dedicated it to the Lord, and then they celebrate it. They anticipate it with gladness. They're excited about what's coming. Listen, dedication puts a down payment on the future that you want to live. Dedication puts a down payment on the future that you want to live. Believe in it. It's going to happen. And it gives God access to your heart and you access to his resources. There's a partnership that is forming from the very beginning. So the second thing, how, how to live a life that's built to last, is to build your future together. Build your future together. You might go, what does that mean? Together means that it's not alone. It means that you're together. From the beginning, Nehemiah had emphasized all of the people who were serving next to him. Going back into Nehemiah chapter 3, it says in verse 17, next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehum, son of Bani. Then came Hashbaiah, the leader of half the district of Keli, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next, down the line were his countrymen, led by Binu, son of Henadad, the leader of the other half of the district of Keli. Next to them, Ezer, son of Jeshua. In other words, it goes on and on. There's, the word next is over and over. In fact, it's repeated 19 times in, Jeremiah, in Nehemiah chapter 3. 15 times it refers to an individual, a person. In other words, you don't rebuild anything without somebody with you. You didn't get here by yourself. Some of you are like, I'm a self-made person. No, you are not. You would have messed it up if your grandma wasn't praying for you. Come on. Let's be for real. Somebody taught you how to brush your teeth. Somebody got you to where you are. You can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. Nehemiah didn't do it alone. And what is next for us is connected to who is next to us. We need to think about who we're going on that journey with. A married couple, they're excited about the future because they have each other. There's something about doing it together. We can't do our future alone. We need to go into the future together. And the entirety of the New Testament is committed to the relational connection of people to each other in the church. Church is not just to be a place where we observe something on a screen and we go home. Church is a people that we need to be next to. Come on, somebody. We need each other. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, the body. All of us, we're not the same, but each part does its part, and we need each other. And I'll tell you, the forces of life in 2020. Somebody said, stop saying bad things about 2020. 
Because they try to keep, 2020 keeps trying to outdo itself, right? But if those forces around us will suck the life out of us, drain us of our peace, and detour our dreams, if we don't stick together, we got to stay in it. That's why we talk about redwood trees around here all the time. The redwood forest out on the west coast. And you walk through it, and the redwood trees are these massive trees that go hundreds of feet tall. And some of them have been there over 2,000 years. And uh, you think about all the storms that come off of the, the seacoast, and why did those trees not blow over? Why did fires not burn, you know, stop them from growing? What, what is it about those redwood trees? Well, really, it's the roots, and the root system only goes 8 to 10 feet deep, which isn't that deep for a really, really tall tree. But their strength is in the power of their intertwined root system with each other. Redwoods stay together because they're together. And just like that, we talk about redwood faith at the church. You and your individual faith, your capacity to to follow through through the storms of life and all the pressure that's around you is directly connected to your spiritual relationships you have with other people. We need each other. That's why we talk about it all the time here. As a matter of fact, in two weeks, we're going to start our fall group series, our group series. And it's going to be coming. I can't wait. we got a series. Our sermon series is called Witness. We're going to talk about every day with the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to tell you, in this hour, we need to have more than just church attendance. We need God to be with us together. Amen? And uh, I'd encourage you if, you, if you've been in a group before, reform your group. If you've never been in a group yet, we've got opportunities. In fact, we've got a, you can sign up, and uh, we'll send you a form right now. If you want to go to fallgroups.com, fallgroups.com, you can go there, and you can sign up. And I'm telling you, it will help you. It helps us with accountability, with a life of, of faith, but it's a place to pray together. In my own journey, I've shared stories regularly here at Emmanuel about my own personal journey, how I need other people, other believers, because I'm not always strong enough by myself. How many, how many have found help with other, other believers? You found that redwood faith to be true? Then don't pull away from it right now. Lean into it. And if you're like, well, I don't know how to do it. I'm, not a, I'm an introvert. I don't know how to do that. Take a courageous step, baby, and step into that spiritual journey. You can do this. And you don't have to be Pastor Nate in a small group trying to know the whole scripture or anything else. You bring yourself and you pray together and you go on a journey together and you'll find that your faith grows stronger. How do we do it? How do we have a faith that's built to last, a future that's built to last? We do it together. Everybody said together. Repeat this after me. Say together Together. is better than alone. Together is better than alone. The third thing is this. Secure the future by losing fear of the future. Secure the future by losing fear of the future. Jesus calls himself the resurrection and the life. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 
In other words, he's given us the power over the fear of death, and death itself is not an obstacle. If you know Jesus, the resurrection, you can know a life that is not afraid of death. The New Testament church had to lose its fear of death to do things great enough that it would last. So whatever they did, if it was going to last, they had to lose the fear of death. Even though they would go through persecution and torture and rejection, I think that the, today's church, Emmanuel, we need a dose of Old Testament and New Testament resolve to do the things God has called us to do. To not be afraid because everybody else is afraid. I'm not talking about irrational, foolish activity. Come on. I'm talking eyes that see beyond the moment. I'm, I'm concerned um, in the, the, the there, there are facts related to a virus. And the facts are that it, it's a real thing. It's a real virus. The virus is not a hoax, okay? People, I know, people have been impacted by it, okay? The response to it are very... There's hoaxes in the response to it. There's all kinds of different ways that approach it. Overreaction, underreaction. People have done all kinds of things with it, okay? And I've told you before, I'm not concerned about things that are temporary. I'm more concerned about the eternal things. But here's what I've noticed. That there's a general sense of withdrawal away from being excited about things in the future because of a general sense of fear that's kind of pushing its way in on the whole world, not just America. And I'm just telling you, that is the opposite. That pressure of fear is the opposite of Jesus. Jesus gives us strength in the middle of difficult things. Jesus gives us the power to reach out and love people even though there might be a consequence for loving people. For loving our neighbor, for taking care of people, instead of pulling back and only conserving our energy for ourselves, the Christian should be the most impactful in a positive way to the world around us. Can I get an amen to that? There are people right now, because of fear, they're medicating their fear with alcohol and drugs. They're medicating with withdrawal from good godly relationships. They're pulling away out of fear. It's a natural reaction for them to withdraw. But Jesus is their only way to have true freedom. And I believe places like our Kingdom Builder partners that are making a difference like Teen Challenge and other places around us, they don't have the luxury of withdrawing from the need. In church, neither do we. We need to have a different orientation and an idea that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I love Revelation chapter 12 because it's a picture of the future, but it's also a picture of what God gives to us. In Revelation 12, 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God. Hmm. And the authority of his Christ. That's what's come. Now the accuser, anybody know who the accuser is? The accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. That's why I said the testimony is so important. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. 
Now, I want to be a wise person. I'm washing my hands. I'm wearing a mask when it's appropriate. I'm practicing social distancing. But beyond that, I'm not afraid to die. Because the faith I see is stronger than the fear around me. We need to have faith over fear. Come on, church. Eyes to see. Eyes to see beyond 2020. There are people who will inherit the dreams that God has placed in our hearts. Even if we don't see it, even if we end up dying, I want my kids to inherit a faith that's bigger than fear. I want them to see it and sense it. I don't want them to have stupidity, and I'm not going to be putting people down, and I'm not, I'm not against our medical professionals. Come on. I'm not against decisions made by the gov- government and all those kind of things. They're making their decisions. I might disagree, but I, my disagreement isn't what I want to pass to my kids. What I want to pass to my kids is a faith that they see in me that's not grumbling and complaining like a victim, but is stronger than that, positive about the future, believing in the truth of the word, and and positively taking a step into that future that God has called us to go into. Fear is not bigger than God, church. Now this week, and I'm laying in the plane for my message, this week, I saw a, an article, I actually put it up on my Facebook page, um, that was pretty cool. And it's about a 2,000-year-old trees that, you've heard about all the fires in California that are going on. They actually hit the redwood forest. And uh, let me just read a little bit of this article to you because it was powerful to me. You know how much I talk about redwoods. When a massive wildfire swept through California's oldest state park last week, it was feared many trees in a grove of old-growth redwoods, some of them 2,000 years old and among the tallest living things on earth, may finally have succumbed. But an Associated Press reporter and a photographer hiked the renowned Redwood Trail at Big Basin Redwood State Park on Monday and confirmed most of the ancient redwoods had withstood the blaze. Redwood forests are meant to burn, she said. So reports earlier this week that the state park was gone were misleading. The historic park headquarters is gone, the buildings, as are many small buildings and campground infrastructure that went up in flames as fire swept through the park 45 miles south of San Francisco. But this is what I love about the park rangers to this. But the forest is not gone. It will regrow. Every old growth redwood I've ever seen in Big Basin and other parks has fire scars on them. They've been through multiple fires, possibly worse than this. And when forest fires, windstorms, and lightning hit redwood trees, those that don't topple, or those that topple can't re-sprout. Trees that fall feed the forest floor and become nurse trees from which new redwoods grow. State Parks District Superintendent Chris Bauer said he was pleased to know that the Redwoods had survived. He said an assessment team had only been able to check the buildings so far, and that he hopes that he can expect the trees in the coming days. And he said this, the reason those trees are so old is because they are really resilient. Are you hearing what I'm saying today, church? See, when you dedicate the future, it's not a flimsy, only things go right scenario. It is, the fires are going to come, bring it on. 
2021 is around the corner. There's going to be some other stuff going on. So what? I've got faith that's connected to other believers who are calling upon Jesus. And when when two or three gather together, Jesus is with us. The fires are going to come. And even if I die, my death will produce thousands of other trees, thousands of other lives. My kids will inherit my faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you want to have a faith, a life, and a future that's built to last, then you have to be willing to step in and simply say, God, help me to secure my future by losing my fear of the future. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid even if I die. Why? Because I know that God has called me for such a time as this. This is my hour. Turn to somebody next to you and say, this is your hour. You, You can take it. You can make it. We can make it into the future. Let's not be afraid. Let's be full of faith. My challenge for believers today is to have fireproof faith, redwood faith. My challenge is for you to dream beyond your life, to have a legacy that's bigger than your personal pleasure. My challenge is for people to know Jesus. And if you're away from Jesus right now, and you don't know him or you've never given your life to him, you can give your life to Jesus right now. I don't want you to hold off on it. In fact, wherever you are, can you just bow your head and close your eyes? Just say this, if you want to give your life to Christ and everybody else you can join right in with those that are giving their life to Jesus today. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, you died on the cross for my sin, and then you rose from the dead. And I know you're alive, so today I surrender. I give up. I ask you to lead me for the rest of my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise. People give their lives to Jesus every single weekend. I love it. And if you are taking that next step of faith, all you got to do is stay faithful to Jesus. You can be in church this next week, but I'd like you to give you a little advice on what your next steps could be. If you could text the word Emmanuel to 313131, I'll send you a quick link on what it means to follow Jesus. Everybody can do this. You can follow Jesus. I encourage you to do that even now. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the ministries Emmanuel offers, check out emmanuelcc.org. That's emmanuelcc.org. There, you will also find past messages from our Sunday services for you to view.